0: everybody to another episode of the overdue rentals podcast the podcast where we talk about films that maybe just aren't getting enough attention as they much as they used to get or maybe they never got enough attention in the first place we want to shine a little more light their way or maybe our guests throw us (laughs) curveballs yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) well i'm matthew shuckman and i'm cinema blends mike
1: reyes and i mentioned that in no disparagement yes because a curveballs are always welcome here. I like to be introduced to something or refreshed on something I'm not expecting, but also with the guests that we have in the next two, I'm I'm just gonna say guests because we had two uh, very important uh, people on the next two episodes. Uh, And two of the episodes you're going to hear in recent future, Uh, and Matthew could be, if you could see him right now, he'd be beaming a hundred million watt smile because Matthew uh which well which guest are we going to introduce first
0: well i think what, what we should say is what and none i don't even know if i would call it a curveball we should say is because these two people we we had booked kind of last minute and so we didn't ever we never got an official option for what they wanted to talk about so we got to learn about what movie they want to talk about as talking to them i did a little research ahead of time and maybe made a mistake in thinking that one of them was a fan of something uh and that's you'll, you'll hear about that as we get to the interviews but For those of you who know me know I have a severe obsession with a lot of British television, specifically panel shows, even though I don't think Taskmaster is necessarily a panel show, but I guess it fits under it because today we have Alex Horn, the creator, the genius behind the phenomenon that is Taskmaster. If you don't know him, you should get to know him. Get to know Alex Horn in the Horn section. Get to know everything and anything, everything he's done. But of course, Taskmaster. If you've never watched it, it's a. I guess you can call it a game show. And it's not even a game show. It's kind of a competition in in ways. But it's it's really just like, just like most panel shows where you have a a panel of comedians and stars and 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 personalities who are being run through very quirky and odd tasks at the behest of the quote unquote Taskmaster, who's played by Greg Davies, who we will have on. Another episode as well, uh, talking about another film, um, and I don't know. I don't. I, don't I think I'm going too far into it. If you know Testmaster, you know it. If you don't, go check it out. It's available on YouTube for free. If you want to watch with ads and bleeped versions where cursing is taken out, or you can now get Testmaster Supermax Plus, which is an app, which is also available through things like Roku um, and and other and other and and, and other sites uh, where you can watch them. You can pay a fee, not only watch them unbleeped, but They'll be coming all the seasons that are, that you may have not seen yet. They'll also be available, and I should say series, not seasons, I guess, because it's British, so it would be series, not seasons. But also soon you'll be able to see the Testaments of New Zealand on there, the German version, Swedish version, Portuguese version. Uh, they'll all be available. And I'm going to stop blabbering now. Probably all but the American version, which
1: didn't... Uh...
0: Now. Uh, yeah. We'll I... leave the American version. We'll, we'll leave it alone. We won't talk about the American version, let's say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah you know it's you know i was gonna i was gonna jump on impromptu it's like why are we here but then you're like taskmaster supermax plus which i've ne- i mean obviously that's when you know something's a big deal when your whole show gets its own streaming service so that way the the colonials can can Im- indulge <laughs> in the wonderment and you'll also learn i forget which episode it is but you'll learn i think it's this one how I came to learn about Taskmaster yeah we when, when we
0: talk to Alex, I believe, uh, yeah. is, is when Mike let's lose how he learned about Taskmaster. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be fun to uh to to come across because that that was a that was one of the most fun moments that I've I've had in an interview. But anyway, I think it's time to get to Alex Horn and to get into his choice of
0: film. Uh Matthew, do you happen to remember which Alex had chosen? Well, ultimately, we're gonna be talking about the 1980s SNL spinoff, if you want to call it, The Blues Brothers.
1: There is going to be so much fun to talk. We're going to have so much
0: fun talking about this, but
1: right now we're going to get to our quick conversation with Alex Horn about the movie. And then on the other end of that, Matt and I get to prattle on about why we love The Blues Brothers and why it could be an overdue
0: rental Absolutely. Let's do it. Alex Horn, open up your tasks. Your time starts now. I can tell you, Mike and I talk to so many people, but this is the most excited I've been in a long time to talk to somebody. And well, forgive feeling,
2: me. Feelings mutual, I promise.
0: <laughs> forgive me if I keep looking down. because like, I want to see your reaction every time I say something. So sure. apologies for that.
2: No, don't worry. apologize if I'm doing something in my left hand. I've got a tiny dog just there.
1: <laughs> oh, no apologies for that. That's a baby.
2: Yeah. yeah she's, she's camera shy, though. She's always just off. Just but, off you camera. know,
0: that's good. That, we, don't want, we don't want to make her angry or anything like that. <laughs> so, I want to jump right into it, though, because obviously with Taskmaster Supermax Plus, us here in the States are going to get a little more access finally to Series 9 that we didn't have before. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, what was the issue with Series 9? Why didn't we have that kind of access that we have to a lot of the other episodes in the past?
2: Oh, I wish I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> this might not bode well for the rest of the interview. I don't know lots of things. Um, I think it was, so we, here in the UK, we've moved channel from uh, a channel called Dave to a channel called Channel 4, and during that process, for some reason, episodes stopped being uploaded to YouTube, so I, I think they're gonna, they will be again soon, but I think it was also an opportunity, I think the production company thought it was an opportunity to release them all in one go in a place that we or they control, so hopefully it's all in this easy to find, no adverts and so on and so on. And, and Series 9 was our last one at this channel, and it's the one it, won- it happened to win a BAFTA, so it's, 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 it's a nice one to have saved up, I suppose. But, um, yeah, it's not a very satisfactory answer, but that's sort of what happened, I think. No, I think it's satisfactory enough. It's just, I know there are plenty of people who,
0: you know, watch the show religiously, you know, but... <laughs> Mike knows this about me. I am obsessed with, all I do when I go home is I don't do anything here that's that's available to me in the States. I go and I hunt down everything that you guys are producing. Right. And that's kind of what I sit and watch all day. Um, so like being able to have any type of access is great. So being able to finally get, because I've watched every series of Taskmaster over and over again. I don't know how many times I can oh, mention. wow. Except for series nine, because I, I was, I all of a sudden couldn't get to it.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, Yeah. So during during lockdown, the decision was made to put everything on YouTube, I think, and which was which great because it meant people, I suppose, like you and people, have discovered it, which was brilliant. Um, and I think what I'm looking forward to is in about a year's time when the S4 channels caught up, so everything new here goes on there at the same time. And I guess the thinking is if you put it all out in one go now, you just need you, no one's going to, everyone's just going to download everything. So I guess it's it's regaining a little bit of control, but but it, but the things will all go up on YouTube as well, so you, you don't have to pay. But this is a way of doing it. Without adverts, but this is all. This is all slightly outside of my uh, <laughs> my comfort zone. All I do is come up with the tasks. Yeah, asking all the hard questions here. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's good though. It's good. It's, it's good practice. I sh- I should know some answers.
1: Well, what's funny is I had not been exposed to Taskmaster before. Like I I consider myself a, a fellow Anglophile. I love just British culture, British comedy especially. And the first time I'd ever heard of Taskmaster was I was doing an interview with Guz Khan for army of thieves over. So then Matt's like, okay, I need you to do something for me. (laughs) I need you to tell him that I want Morgana to win that season, even though Guz is cool. And then I go and tell him that in the interview and he's like, tell your friend to fuck off.
2: Yeah. That's Guz. I think it was, I think it was like two weeks before the finale aired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Guz, Guz, I, I happened to do a quiz show here on, on the weekend, the Christmas record of something, which, you know, it's mad to do that in March, but Guz was on it. And uh, he makes me ha- so happy. So, I'm so happy he's done our show because he's very hard to pin down because everyone wants him in their show. Um, yeah. But so it's so a do you know who won that series or not? Oh,
0: yeah. Well, that was, that oh,
2: was yeah. Like, Morgana.
0: Morgana ended up with it. Yeah. yeah fine, fine. Yeah. Morgana <laughs> is a hero. Well, that, that's. I think that's what's funny about it, too, because obviously, Look, it's technically a competition show, but just like any, I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down a panel show. You're really there. Yes, the format matters, but you're there just to watch. You're waiting yeah. for, you know, a rest in peace, Sean Locke, to say something outrageous. Um, and, and, you know, you're just waiting to see all these people who kind of know each other, you know, have fun. Yeah. But Taskmaster has come to a point where there are people who are very, very intent on getting down who they want to win. Mm-hmm. Where Greg was wrong about giving out the points. Were you surprised with how far that's come?
2: yes and i still am daily it's 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 obviously a brilliant thing that it's created i'm not saying the program is a brilliant thing but it's it's amazing for me to see that this sort of community has grown up and they create you know they come up with their own tasks their own taskmaster evenings at boy scouts or head nights and it really has got a life of its own now and you're right they they do um question greg's judgment which he hates because he really takes it seriously um but it keeps him on his toes. And uh, yeah, it is. You're completely right. It's meant to just be a stupid comedy show. It's just comedians having fun. But if it's a competition, people need the, the rules, not necessarily to be fair, but they need the rules to be clear. And so when Greg does use different numbers sometimes, people, people are furious. It's mm. so funny. Because the whole, the whole show is not fair. You know, We have team days where it's two people against three people. And it all comes down to the, whether this very tall man likes you or not. So it's not a fair, it's not a level playing field. Um, but yeah, I do, yeah, I, I get sent a lot of very strange things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's taken over in ways that we didn't expect.
1: Sometimes it just comes down to the juice of the bean being dry or not.
2: <laughs> that's, that's what I should have said. <laughs> we could swap those answers around.
1: We're going to tell everybody that that was you because Thank you.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: you're the guest. And we, we're not going to coddle you, but we'd still like to comfort you.
2: I think I prefer comforting to coddling. Honestly, coddling's a bit too restrictive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, that's just, that's not what we do here on Overdue Rentals because no, it's,
2: I, I know that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, see everyone a fan of the show? Big fan. Big fan. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you, going back to the idea of the team days though, because I thought about this recently and I don't know wh- how much it matters, but because I, I, from what you hear, uh, whether it's through the podcast or just through in previous interviews, I know the team the team um, tasks are filmed kind of at the end of everything. Everybody has their their singulars and then you do the team task at the end, right?
2: Well, yeah, and towards the end. We try to it. keep it we try to keep the day itself a bit of a surprise. So the, the contestants tend to have five or six days with us doing tasks over a period of months. So on day four, five or six, one of them will be a team day. But we try to they arrive without knowing that the other people are there. So we, we we just like having that moment caught on camera when we yeah. greet each other for the first time.
0: Well, what, what entered my mind, I guess, was the idea that I wonder I started to wonder if the teams of three always had one person who happened to be the kind of at the end of filming there. They were like the last one to kind of film their singular test. So it, it made sense for the team of three to have somebody who may be a little
2: less energetic. I think you might be giving us too much credit for thinking <laughs> thing through. It it tends to be when, whoever's around on, on whatever day yeah. because yeah because we film like we film two series a year but we film throughout the year so we fit around other people's diaries so someone like Guz Khan he's only got four free days in a year so we just do it whenever we can so if Morgana happens to be around on his day they become a team that's that that's really it and I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of the show is about improvising and not having a script so I guess the same is the way the show's made we we're, there's a lot of flexibility in doing our best to make it work. And especially in COVID times now, we just try to film whenever we can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's just, that really is, again, probably just echoing what Matthew has said already. That just echoes what makes this show so much fun to watch. Everyone's having fun. So, you know, when when you see a whole group of really funny people sitting on a stage, busting each other's chops and, and doing these ridiculous tasks, it just is... So easy to get caught up in that. I mean, I, I was telling Matthew uh, after finally getting to watch some of the show, this is one of the simplest premises carried out to the most comedic effect.
2: Well, yeah, we do take it take the silliness very seriously, you know. Yeah. And even the way this the set is, the first series were filmed in a very old theater in South London, and we moved to a TV studio now, but we've you know mimicked the theater, so it's meant to look quite formal and serious. And then it, yeah. Like you say, it should just be five people mucking about, and I think it's become quite a kids show here. Lots of families watch it with their eight and nine-year-olds, and I think the kids like seeing grown-ups do what they do. Because <laughs> when I'm in the house watching them, watching the guys do the tasks, they they are reverting to childhood a lot because they can make mess and they do things that they haven't done for years. Partly because there's a team of people clearing up, yeah, behind them.
0: Well, there's there's I mean the longevity of the show is something that, where I also think, you know, at least to me, the way I see it is not only is it great and it's everybody has fun watching it, but there are, there's so many amazing water cooler moments that everybody always talks about, you know, um, uh, Joe's foot over the line on the potato throw or uh, Josh's tattoo. But I always go back and I'll re-watch them and I'll forget about something. So like the other day I was watching season one again and when they had that first tiebreaker with Josh and Ramesh and when, Josh said he didn't want to go first to give his guess, and Greg said, okay, just and Ramesh's face. Yeah. It's one of the greatest things let's ever put on camera.
2: I know, exactly. And that's another one. We didn't really have a plan for that situation, because obviously it's not fair to go first. But yeah, Greg is just, he is the taskmaster. And we didn't really plan for what his character is either. Yeah. But he does cause people to respect him and want to impress him. And even Ramesh, Ramesh is a pretty fearsome person. But even Romish wilts eventually under under Greg <laughs> Greg's glare. I'd forgotten that moment as well. Yeah, that's Oh, funny. yeah.
0: It's, it's, I, it, look, there's plenty of them. I, you know, when um, when Paul Chattery did the whole, you know, I, I cream myself. Yeah, and both you and Greg lean in at the exact same moment. Like, excuse right. me, what? Yeah. It's just these small reactions that, again, it's just, it's natural. That's you, the two of you are somehow in sync being so natural about it. It's brilliant.
2: Well, I guess, hopefully, it's because a lot of it is real. So Greg doesn't really see anything before he's yeah occasionally sees the odd thing but we his best responses are definitely off the cuff and it means that I'm laughing quite a lot at what he says and vice versa. So like like you mentioned it if if we're having fun hopefully the audience are as well. By the way sorry about my voice uh this we filmed the last load of tasks yesterday and it's just got to the end of its it's life my voice.
0: I'll tell you you sound, I mean, thank you so much again for doing this too, but you sound, you sound exactly how how I always hear you sound.
2: I, however, you don't hear me all the time. I sound strange today. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. I won't apologize again. You sound great. As, as do you, yes. Thank you, Matthew.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's also funny. And I say this for a lot of, not just because for people who don't watch a lot of British television, if they're coming to Taskmaster, I think there's something about Knowing and this is not just British television because this speaking be about Taskmaster, Zealand, Sweden, whatever it is, you know, knowing the contestants a little bit beforehand gives you a little bit better feel for what's going to happen, even if you don't know the premise from when you're jumping in. But I found myself, even though I liked a lot of personalities, I found myself appreciating them more when I saw them on Taskmaster because it gives them the opportunity to break out of the normal personality we see them on. Like we'll use Lee Mac for instance, you know, Lee Mac's everywhere but some people are so used to his personality through What Would I Lie to You? That seeing him pair back and be serious sometimes or be a little different and actually caring uh, is, 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 a, is a great thing to see.
2: Yes, I think I agree with all that. Um, what we tend to try to make sure is that every series is in, in the UK anyway, and hopefully elsewhere sometimes, there's one person we all know, there's one household name to sort of relax you, get you into it because the start of every new series is quite scary. It's like starting a new school. Because you like the old people at your old school, and you've got to make new friends. Um, so there's one person you already know that that helps. But uh, <laughs> I, it's now become a bit of a launchpad for newer comics, which I really love. Because there's often the same old faces on telly. Yeah. And ob- obviously we've had you know seventy comedians now, so it is a good place. And you and they're on for ten episodes. You really do learn about them, and not just their pre-written stuff. You you see the full gamut of emotions. Uh, and everyone gets angry at some point (laughs) every single person gets angry at least once which I love I love the anger got to get to that
1: breaking point at some point it's just it's pure tv
2: yeah well it's quite intense filming so we do two a day in the studio and each one's about two and a half three hours so that's five or six hours of competition um and it's it doesn't get tiring at the time because you 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 keep watching the next task and you don't know what's coming and and they're watching themselves back so they, they always enjoy it but it is By the fifth studio record yeah that's when that's when you get the interesting stuff
1: well since we are here at overdue rentals and we love to cover films that need a little bit more love in the world uh matthew had clued me into the fact that you as well as i happen to be big james bond fans oh okay so as such, I was wondering, I have, I have, see, I have an idea of what I think is like an underloved James Bond film in my mind, but I'm very curious what you would think is the most, if not right. one of the most
2: underrated James I, Bond movies. No problem. I should probably say that I don't think I am a big James Bond film. Oh, okay. But there's oh. lots of stuff out there on Wikipedia and whatever, which, um, you know, is not that close to the truth. But I do, <laughs> I do, I don't mind a James Bond. I'll tell you the one that I always think of because I watched it as a kid and it, still, it gave me nightmares. But I think it was quite a big one. Live, live and Let Die is the one that is my, um, that's my archetypal bond. That's, that's what I think is bond because it's creepy and sinister, um, but I don't think it's a very un, undervalued uh, one. Which one were you going for?
1: I was looking for your eyes only.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know much about James Bond.
1: <laughs> Matthew, we're going to have yeah, think, a talk I after. think I
2: read an article where it's like, you know, like, hey, what are your favorite films like? Anything Bond. And it's probably, yeah. you, probably that was your answer, was just like, yeah, whatever, anything Bond. <laughs> I think probably that's, yeah, that was, sometimes you lie, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what's happened there.
1: Well, then even outside of that realm, like just in yeah. movies in general, what is a movie yeah. that is closest to your heart, but you feel not enough people have watched? Yeah. Well,
2: okay, the movie I'd, I'd put in that category especially in this country, I'm sure it's huge still in America, but Blues Brothers from 1980 Hmm. was a film that I watched over and over and over and over again and still do. And I made my kids watch it two weeks ago and it turns out it's not appropriate, (laughs) Um, but they really loved it in the same way as I used to. And quite often they watch old films with us and get bored because newer films are so quick, so much quicker and so much snappier, but they really found it funny. And I, I, it's a film. So I'm in a band here as well and we're we're idiots and I can well I want to relate to it they're just it it must have been a nightmare to make and I'm self aware of the spiraling costs and the drug problems and so on but to be involved in that would have been my dream just uh, the way they've got so many amazing musicians and actors and every one of them have gone off to do something else that that's the film that I would push on everyone
1: and then you've got that mall chase where it's just oh. that place was going to get demolished to begin with and they're allowed to have free reign and just yeah. uh, never before and never I, I would assume never after did anybody ever think they needed an action set piece set to barefoot and just yeah there you go the whole, that whole film,
2: the whole film is a car chase really yeah it, it's yeah I, and my my mates and I so two members of the band, I mean, we we were born in the same hospital. We've known each other for 43 years. And we watched that when we were 10, I think. And the bit when the car gets flipped up in the air and takes 30 seconds to land, that made us laugh so much. It's such a stupid joke, but I still find it funny. And I think that sense of humour of just, again, you know, they're wearing black suits, taking everything very seriously, but it's a very seri- silly film. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's a slight, maybe that's rubbed off on me slightly with Taskmaster.
0: Well, it's a thing, you know, You said maybe maybe inappropriate for your children but you're watching at 10 years old too and it's funny now we come to the point where like yeah i remember watching things at 10 years old i probably shouldn't have but it felt different back then compared to now where everybody's much more uh you know cognizant of, of what they have their kids intake
2: yes yes and but i definitely think you're right i i love making my kids watch something inappropriate but as long as i know what they're watching then it feels less inappropriate yeah so, you know, I think it's an education. I think comedy in general is so important for kids to, to be into comedy. I think it's really good for their to understand where humor's coming from. I think it's really good for social interaction and so on. I, I'm a, I'm I think I'm making excuses for bad parenting. <laughs>
1: well, no, I mean to you to what you were saying, like that Matthew tells so many stories in here about, oh, my dad showed me with this when I was a kid and this, that, and the other yeah. thing. I had that same thing. The whole key is that's even what the rating systems themselves say it's like parental guidance suggested so if the parent is there with you you can talk about all the talk all these different sorts of things out and and help your children process that
2: yeah I also think my children what they like best because they don't really like doing stuff with us because they're children But when they see us laughing and they're laughing it's, it's a really rare moment when the whole family finds something funny yeah and it's really special so yeah I was so pleased that they liked the film I really was
0: well, it's, it's also something where, like, it doesn't have to be movies, it doesn't have to be, you know, music, it could be anything, you know, and, and I, always, I always say this to people, too, because Richard Osman, thank God, and Alexander Armstrong both say this on Pointless all the time, because I hate when people come on and say it was before I was born. It doesn't mean mm. you can't entertain and learn things before, <laughs> before you were born. Learn about it's them, a very it's great. Good
2: point. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, but there are, I have failed on lots of films, even Back <laughs> to the Future they didn't quite get into. Mm. And that was, wow. there's nothing, nothing worse than saying, you're going to love this and you go for two hours. And at the end they go, no, I, I didn't love that. Yeah. No, I wonder cool.
1: if they would take to the musical more.
2: They went to the musical a couple of weeks ago. They like, they, they enjoyed it. It was too loud for one of them. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly they were a a Lewis fan. Of course they are. Yeah. yeah. Massive.
1: <laughs> but sort of circling back to, to sort of close things off. Sure. Now that you've mentioned it, Blues Brothers does feel like it feels like one of those perfect sort of gray areas for overdue rentals because
2: yeah
0: it
1: was this it was just one of those lightning strikes of pop culture sort of mania like the appearances on SNL getting the movie uh just having that sort of longevity and then you look at it now and maybe it's part of partly because of time and maybe it's partly because of the sequel which I didn't really have too well It's not the first movie, but it's okay. But maybe it's just that you don't really hear Blues Brothers that often anymore. And it really is a shame because it's kind of timeless.
2: Yeah, well, I actually stayed in, there was a hotel in LA really close to the House of Blues, which I stayed in once. And then I would stay there again and the House of Blues had gone. It's been knocked down now, I think, during the last couple of years. And that, yeah, it felt so sad. It did did feel like a moment, like you say. But things like Saturday Night Live, it's probably the equivalent of, well, for, for, for us over here, I look at that and I don't quite understand. It's so different from everything we do here, but so exciting to me and the, and the, uh, the house ban and everything. So having that distilled for me as a 10-year-old was, was amazing. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. We can, I can't wait for Series 13 next week. Great, uh, you too. It's a good going to go crazy. Yeah, yeah, do, do, Matthew. <laughs> really nice to speak to you both thank um, you oh man
1: oh. alex horn honestly both i for something that i've got i mean i've gone from zero to 60 on <laughs> taskmaster because after learning about it from you and then getting to watch some in preparation for for doing this the show i really enjoy what i've seen and alex is a wonder alex and greg are both fantastic to talk to and you'll find out about greg in the other episode but we'll focus on Alex and we'll focus on the Blues Brothers right now, because it really is another one of those cases where a guest mentions a movie and maybe on first glance, you think, Oh, well, is that really an over rental? Yeah. But then you look at how big the Blues Brothers was at its time. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is.
0: Yeah. And it's not just that. I think that it's something where maybe for you and me and for our peer group of colleagues, it still has a certain sentimentality or presence. But again, going back to thinking about younger generations, I think they know it exists and know about it, but it's not something that they care about or would search out in a lot of ways. And I think that's where it does still fit in as an overdue rental and also not necessarily just because of maybe how well it's remembered or known. But even myself, like I I've I saw the Blues Brothers a long time ago. It's not something I've watched very often, and re-watching parts of it, or re-watching it, just kind of forgetting how, I mean, obviously, we, everybody remembers how grandiose it is, in as far as the ridiculousness of what goes on, but cinematically, especially for what type of movie it was, this thing was pretty freaking big.
1: You want to talk about grandiose. Okay, so... 27 and a half million dollar budget, which ballooned, was
0: really 30 at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which unfortunately ballooned because of delays in shooting and John Belushi's partying, sort of throwing things in there. But originally it was supposed to be like 17 and a half. Yeah. And I remember reading on Wikipedia, and one of the producers was like, Wow, I think we're already overspending. <laughs> Hindsight, folks. So, but it made a hundred fifteen point two million dollars. And according to director John Landis himself, I don't know how true this is, he said it was the first American film to make more overseas mm. than it did at home. This also had an original cut of 160 minutes, was yeah. cut down to 132 for the theatrical, but if you rent or watch the extended, which is what I did in prep, uh, you'll have 148 minutes. And you'll actually be able to see which bits are added back in because there's sort of a difference in in footage, like, look.
0: Well, that, that's two funny things about it, too, because... A, being, even not extended, being that beefy of a movie for that time, for, again, in, in essence, a Saturday Night Live breakoff movie, technically. The first one, too. The first too. one, exactly, um, that's, that's long. And not, not in a bad way, but that's, that's surprising that they would let them do that. Also, budget-wise, even if it ballooned, and that's what it is, in comparison time-wise to what they were spending on even Wayne's World, which is pretty much the same exact budget, if not a little less, that's a, that's a lot of money to throw at this type of movie where you don't necessarily... Yes, the characters were big. Belushi was big. Animal House was a big hit for, for everybody. And that's part of what got this movie made. Because but yeah, but to bank like, knowing that you're going to make that money back is a, is a tough call. So, to, so for them to give that much money to this was... was a, And there was a bidding war. There was a bidding war for it. Exactly. Exactly. So just, okay, audience, ladies and gentlemen, I want you, we want you to picture this.
1: SNL is only in like season six at this point, or it's like, it's early, like this is SNL with peach fuzz on his face and (laughs) universal and paramount to studios that John Landis would be associated with because paramount, he would do trading places with later on and coming to America i believe he directed coming to america yeah, yeah. I, yes well anyway young snl has this musical act that john belushi and dan Aykroyd make up on the fly and they have it on the show it becomes uh, a, an actual musical group they write a lore like apparently dan Aykroyd wrote over 300 pages of lore for the film and John Landis in two weeks yeah. turns it into a serviceable screenplay. <laughs> but they write this lore. They tell these stories about these misfit brothers who bonded over blues music. And it turns into a massive multi-million dollar hit in the same... Matthew, I want you to try and guess what film was at number one at the box office at this time.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, and I will
1: give you a hint. One of the co-stars of the Blues Brothers was in it.
0: Oh, I said ET first, so. No, that was eighty-two. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Another I can't remember one. the uh, the dates anymore. Um. Well, coast. Oh, 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 oh. Return of the Jedi. Uh,
1: close. Empire Strikes Back.
0: Empire Strikes Back? I thought Empire, Empire Strikes,
1: Strikes back, was... back came out in eighty.
0: Oh. I thought Return of the Jedi came out in eighty. Eighty-three. Really? My brain is so off. He's done him. But yeah, I, I am like. I in my I met childhood. I remember thinking to myself that I thought that Return of China was the only one made in the 80s, but no, uh
1: 1980. Yeah, it was like June 1980. This was the sixth week that Empire Strikes Back was number one. It would go on until middle of August, I would say. I think that's what I read on Box Office Mojo mm. to be number one. But this was second only to that. So you had two Carrie Fisher movies at the same time just wowing people all over the place. That's yeah. and this really just i'm what i'm about to say is not an insult it is one of the greatest compliments i will pay this movie it is barely a movie it is an experience it is not so much a plot driven sort of thing you're watching this for the camaraderie you're watching it for the shenanigans you're watching it for the music but it is not like a point a to point b story it is just it is it's, uh,
0: it's it a has vibe. a skeleton of, of, yeah, again, they need to get yeah. the band back together. So they like put on the show to get the money to save the orphanage. And one of their crazy exes is chasing them and trying to kill them. Uh, and that's the very short version of it, but sp- along with police. That's, yeah, um, that's pretty
1: much all you need to do to tell someone the story of the Blues Brothers. But that's, and that's, that just shows you how much of a story there is, but that's not a knock because you've got great. All right, right from the first five minutes that they're together you tell how much of a a brotherhood that John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd had together. That opening, t- those opening title cards. Yeah. That's all you needed.
0: But that's the thing. Also, again, going back to where it kind of fits as an overdue rental, because no matter how people felt about it as, as fans or people saw the movie and then they fell in love with it, I don't think anybody would believe half the stuff we're saying about it as far as the impact of how it came out, even if they were those big fans. Like, I don't think, it didn't it doesn't never really seemed at, for me growing up and again i i was born the year it came out so it took me a while to get there but i don't think anybody would have would have would have told you that it was such a powerhouse
1: no i mean it, it, blues brothers itself sure the movie if you unless you you look deep into it it's just built into the lore it's yeah. not really the, it's not a a breakout sort of thing because it was around it all kind of happened uh contemporary tit to everything it wasn't that long be- before it went from musical act to to movie yeah and then the only real gap that there was was the one between the film and its sequel blues brothers 2000 which i'm sure we'll cover on overdue rentals at some point
0: that i don't think we're gonna end up talking
1: about <laughs> and you know what I, I i don't remember if i saw blues brothers 2000 before blues brothers
0: oh interesting
1: I don't rem. All I know is I thought Blues Brothers two thousand was okay. I but at the same time, it's not the Blues Brothers, well, especially because you go from. Uh, oh, you you go because I got i qu- am I'm gonna throw in another, another oh. one of those wonderful questions in.
0: No, th- throw a question at me. We can go to this. We can go. We can go back to talking about what I was gonna go to after.
1: So if I was gonna ask you where that mall chase went where in the film, like, just forget, you know where it is in the film, where in the movie would you think that mall chase would have been?
0: Oh, like if I didn't know, it would probably be like, yeah, that would like, probably be like part a at the, the end of the movie almost, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, except it's like at the beginning of the movie.
1: <laughs> exactly. That I, I kept thinking, oh, that's going to be like part of the, the big chase to get to the, the venue at the end. It's like, no, no, that's first act. That's balls. Not even first act, sounds like first 20 minutes almost. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, that is a moment that most other movies would save. And it's like one of those like big finales. And it's like, no, no, this is our third, maybe our first act midpoint or first act closer. Uh, You're going to love what comes after this, trust me. And you do. And I'm just in awe of that. Also in awe of the fact that they used a a shuttered mall, dressed all the storefronts and just wrecked it. Like I was watching this and literally the note I made was, It's as if someone was telling them you missed a spot every lap and they just go into something new to the point where, you know, that big, that the ending of it is the news kiosk and the supermarket where that guy like collides with the camera.
0: Well, that's, that's where, that's where, again, you may think that it's supposed to belong somewhere in a movie, but that's where this type of movie specifically is like, even though the movie had started, that's, it's kind of like not, Knock on the door, I'm here. Moment because yes, there are some ridiculous things that happen beforehand, but it's nothing to that extent where it's like these guys would do that, even. So it's just being like, if you really want to know what you're in for, let's do this and then just take it off. So w- that's where it, it also technically makes sense for it in its own film to be so early on.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is just. This is probably one of the best examples of what some would call a run and gun film because I'm sure there were very few takes on some of these. I'm wondering, I, I, I wonder how well choreographed, well, it was well choreographed, but I'm wondering how close some of those cars got to everyone. Again, mm-hmm. that guy running in the grocery store sequence like runs into the camera. And it's like any other movie, they probably cut that out, but John Landis, for better or worse, was a wild man. When it came to making his his earlier films,
0: we won't talk about the for worse part of it. Uh, no, we un- <laughs> will get into all that, which is a different no. movie. Everybody, if you don't know, so we'll, we'll we'll leave that off the list. But yeah, it's, also, that, it's, it's yeah. also interesting to me because it's a movie where, separated from again when it came out and what people thought about it when they first saw it, for those who never saw it and just knew it existed, it was always coming down to the musical side of it—the fact that there were like these amazing musical numbers with Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles. But you also have to remember and the John Lee Hooker, you know, Cab, Cab Calloway is in this goddamn movie. And yes, Cab Calloway lived to what, when I looked it up, I think he died in 91 or something. So he lived for, for a little bit more, but who in 1980 was even thinking about Cab Calloway? You know, it's just like, that's such that's an insane thing. That's like so amazing to me that they were able to get that done. Yeah. And
1: this is one of those examples. again, if if there's and if what this movie lacks in story, it makes up with an energy. And I wouldn't even say it lacks in story. It hasn't as much story as it needs. This movie just has energy from point A to point B from start to finish. And those musical numbers. yeah, like yeah. this is a wide, open musical. and it's not it's not too stagey. It's not like a huge, like very fabricated studio musical where you have that perfect dolly shot and everything. It's people dancing in the streets, on cars. It's just, the movie is what it needs to be. And that's a perfectly, perfectly beautiful thing (laughs) about just everything.
0: I know you said that you don't remember if you saw 2000 before you saw this. But do you remember, was this something that you saw because of all the hype or you saw it really young, kind of like Alex did or like maybe I did. And it was like, you kind of knew something existed and you wanted to see it.
1: I knew it existed and I wanted to see it because again, like uh, when I was a teenager, one of my best friends and I were into SNL at the time, because I swear that's one of those things where when you're a teen, SNL is a thing. Mm-hmm. At least if you're, as as far as you know, if you're an American teen, I would say, or maybe, you know, whoever else is exposed to it. SNL's a thing, like the cast that is your cast. When you're a teen, that's yours. Mm-hmm. And then music, like when you're a teen, like all that stuff forms and cooks. So around that time when I was like in high school, they had uh, the promotions for Blues Brothers 2000. And, you know, I was a friend of mine and I also had known some of the vintage stuff because Comedy Central started to, rerun some of those things mm. at that point. And we may, or maybe we just knew of the Blues Brothers in general, because again, even though they may not have been in service, so to speak, when we were growing up, there were references left and right. There were video games that would reference them. Uh I think it was a Space Quest game that a friend of mine was playing, like the old Sierra series, Space Quest. Yes. Oh,
0: no, that, that I know. I was just trying to th- think of maybe I knew a specific-
1: I think it was one of those where you go into like, a Mose Eisley Cantina sort of setting, and there's Jake and Elwood just dancing on stage.
0: Oh, I was going to look couldn't... it up, but I realized I didn't have my internet open.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those things where, okay, we need to watch this. And he I, he bought the soundtrack, and that was something that we would go driving around to, like when do, we would hang out.
0: They were in a Space Quest game, you are correct. Oh, awesome. Possibly multiple ones. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean, again, it was just one of those things where, especially in the, in the age of video games, if you really liked something, you would pay tribute to it, but just throwing them, throwing it anywhere.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the other thing too. I don't want to get too far off the Blues Brothers, but since you mentioned it, who was your, your teenage as an cast?
1: I caught it at sort of a, a crossroads because I was, I had access to the cast where it was like, Dana Carvey, Rob Schneider, Mike Myers, Dennis Miller, Norm MacDonald, uh, okay. Chris Rock, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman yeah. was someone that I was so
0: endeared to because... Norm, Norm would be after. Norm would be separated from this group. That's well, why I got, that's why I was, that's why I got uh, interested for a second, yeah, because it would be Kevin like Nealon who was doing the news back then. Oh, for you? Oh, yeah, because it was yeah. Phil Hartman, Kevin Nealon, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Jan Hooks, um, Victoria, uh, Victoria. Oh my God! I forgot her name all of a sudden. Victoria Jackson. Victoria Jackson, Jackson. Thank you. Uh, as well as um, Julia Sweeney. That was yeah. That was my that was my cast. And Kevin Nealon was doing the news back then. And well, after Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller, then Kevin Nealon. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, but I was like, it, it was sort of like the the later days of like Hartman, Spade, and all them. And then I I, I was growing up on towards the tail end. It was like Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan uh rachel drach daryl hammond i'm trying to mention as many people sherry o'terry i'm trying to mention as many people as i can before i get to jimmy fallon because that's when his reign of terror started
0: yeah we don't have to talk about jimmy fallon anyway
1: no we don't because he's not a blues brother and he never will be
0: (laughs) unless they make Blues brother's three thousand, and he's in it for some reason
1: All right, well anyway. get
0: off. we'll get off of it. I was just, I was just interested just because you were talking about it. But no,
1: no that's, that's a really good question, and I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably another reason why Blues Brothers sort of latched on when it did was because that was the SNL zeitgeist at that time. Just like Wayne's World. Yeah. For yeah. most '90s kids, that was this. Again, we mentioned it before. That was the same sort of thing, right down to the music, the music, the culture, the jokes.
0: It was, it was something, too, where I remember when Wayne's World came out. Even though Blues Brothers, like, this is why it's so strange to me and why I think it fits as an overdue rental. Because even though Blues Brothers was a huge thing, and I think it, I think it boils down to, just like you were saying, how it's, it's almost not a film, you know, in, in some ways. And I think that it started to, not sour, but I think people's memories of it somehow changed. And so by the time something like Wayne's World came out, people would think that's the first good SNL movie kind of shoving Blues Brothers societal yeah. in a, a lot of ways. And I think that's where it started to become more of that. Over Because then also Coneheads came out, which is after it was a sketch, but it also became what people consider the best SNL movie for a long time. Uh, they did? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Coneheads? I mean, Coneheads was good, yeah. but... I, re- I remember a lot of talk about it. But no, but that's the thing. That's no. where I think... So that's that, that was my point, though, is that even if you didn't think that, i think there was a little bit of a dismissal of the blues brothers Mm -hmm. and that's where it became where it fits into being an overdue rental
1: no exactly i mean again you look at some of these snl movies they're just it's just like that you probably already made this point where it's just like the show it's so contemporary to the point where I'm sure some people will say that Night at the Roxbury is the best SNL movie or, or, or maybe superstar, but you I, know. I hope
0: not, but that's where because that's where cause that was a thing though. Because Wayne's World being the hit it was. Yeah, that's, that's where it started. We got it, because we I even did. got a Ladies' Man movie and stuff like that. So, I almost forgot about the Ladies' Man.
1: Yeah, it it took Meadows it, it, was another care another uh, cast member I grew he up. He was,
0: with. he was absolutely. But that's him, where it right. became where where it finally took people like um um <clears throat> sorry, I've all of a sudden just had a brain fart uh, for Kristen Wiig and for Bill Hader to kind of break out doing the movie thing without being an SNL movie. They were the one who finally broke yeah. that mold and decided we can do this without having to do oh. an SNL movie.
1: I could just imagine someone had a draft of a Gilly screenplay.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what that is. As
1: much you. as I love Kristen Wiig, that would have been a nightmare. That would have been That would have been even more of a nightmare than Superstar.
0: I never really watched, even though I can appreciate some stuff after like phil hartman died and stuff like that i didn't
1: that was one even of though those... even though
0: that was after he left snl technically but that's that still that's kind of where to... i stopped watching
1: that was one of the every now and then people like to bring up that question of like what celebrity debts really got you and that was one of the ones that really got me because again knowing him from snl knowing him from the simpsons and then knowing him from news radio at the time yeah. Just here that I remember. Jon Lovitz.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Just thinking about another cast member now, because he took over from a news radio. But John Lovitz and SNL. Well,
1: yeah, he did it because oh, he actually he took over because that was just him, you know, finishing his friend's work, yeah. like even as a new character. But still, like just, I remember coming another from,
0: SNL person. We forgot that's that's the only reason I brought it up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I remember coming home from school one day, and that was like that that came up. And then a couple years ago, a couple years before that. I remember sitting in the car waiting for my dad to come out of the store and they announced Chris Farley died.
0: Ah uh, yeah, um, that, that, a, another cast member from that era that we forgot to talk about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just it was it was that whole, you know, they were calling it the SNL curse for a while and
0: that is I mean that's we shouldn't get too far into it, but that we should we should say though that technically Chris Farley also did get out without making SNL character movies. But yeah, like they were he still got to But they were still technically the version of even when he was leading the cast i mean but there was definitely yeah. totally that that character that you knew from him playing on the show in a lot of ways so that's where that's where it felt like it was a little different from when the uh the wig hater kind of thing happened finally and, and was able to oh yeah
1: because like he and spade started their sort of laurel and hardy sort of act like yeah. Tomboy and then black sheep and then you know i'm sure they would have continued if he hadn't passed i mean he would have been shrek if he hadn't passed
0: there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, yeah we can't even get into because with the, the with talking about the Nanook curse, uh, but Nanook uh, of the North, look it up if you don't know. <laughs> but but that's what, going back to going back to the Blues Brothers, and that was a thing that I you know when Alex was talking about it too because technically he's only two years older than me. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, Mike, I forgot how old you are. I don't even know how old you are. I'm I was
1: born 3 years after you.
0: Okay, so you're 5 years older than than him, you know. And it's you know, for Alex it's that movie that not necessarily was taboo, but like it seemed like he was talking about that movie that like I can't believe I'm getting to see this or like I should, probably shouldn't be seeing this and and here it is in front of me and like we all have those movies that are just like we probably shouldn't but we're doing it and I I'm just so in love.
1: Which is interesting because it's not really that like, I know it's rated R, but it's not the hardest R even for that time. Like, at that point in in history, you would have had more gratuitous nudity in an R movie.
0: We also have to remember, though, that the, the British uh, rating services are a little more strict than they are here. Oh, true. Um, well, no,
1: it was rated R in,
0: in the U.S. too, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, I'm I'm just saying for what they considered, you know, there was a lot oh, of right. stuff that was, you know. Well, they also
1: have a, a better, like, age gap because they go from 12 to 15 to 18.
0: Well, also, a lot of this stuff was built after... There's a lot of this stuff was put in place, though, during and after the, the times we probably saw these movies. So it yeah. doesn't necessarily matter as much. But but it's, it's, it's the idea of it, almost. You know, like, this, again, you can go watch so many movies that were rated R or that you knew were gory or um, just really violent back in the day and you watch them now and because we're so used to a lot of the stuff now you go like that's one of the tamest things i've ever seen
1: yeah like and, even all verhoven
0: yeah and you know, some of it some of it can be laughable almost it's like why was i even for people who may even scared of stuff when they were younger and then go and see him like why was i scared of that you know it's like it, there's a big difference because of and it, it's a lot because what we're exposed <laughs> to today and there's a lot because things are hyped up look uh, we won't get into it too much. We were talking about it before, everybody, you know, because Mike and I have already seen The Northman, um, and I remember oh, the people who first yeah. saw The Northman saying about how um, I, I remember hearing words about how over the top, gory, and stuff like that. And there are maybe one or two things mm. in there that are gory, but it's really not. It's really not some excessive uh, display of, of brutality that people are making it out to be you know and not that's, that's a bad thing either. but that's the thing that there are so many people who see one thing one way so people see things another that just the aura of talking about it for certain people put this blanket of taboo on something
1: yeah i mean folks these beheadings are not the worst beheadings you've seen on a film but we won't get too much into the north man that's that's, forward, like, yeah. that's outside of our orbit uh Yeah,
0: it's just a good example because I was thinking about it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Northman, I mean, we don't know if the Northman will become an overdue rental. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hype on that film. So we'll table that for another time. But if it ever (laughs) does become one, maybe we'll talk about it. But back to Blues Brothers, because (laughs) that's that's what we're celebrating right now. If the Northman wants us to celebrate the Northman, then the Northman can Northman over here, Northman.
0: But for now, you go cross Blues Brothers off your overdue rentals list. Watch if you haven't seen it yet. And go watch Taskmaster. Not, oh my, please everybody, go Taskmaster right now. Basically, again, if you don't, because you're not sure about it, so you don't want to go pay for Taskmaster Supermax Plus just yet because you, you don't know, you haven't seen it yet. Go you to will. YouTube. Everything that's available on Taskmaster Supermax Plus on Supermax Plus is available for you to watch on YouTube. Again, with ads and, edit and, and, and bleeped out curses, but watch it, enjoy it have fun and then go get your Supermax plus uh, subscription after that because you- and
1: invite some people over too. It's, it's share that and share the blues brothers because honestly i would go see blues brothers in a theater with a, a packed crowd or like a decent sized crowd because that's just feels like something that you need to see with people
0: maybe we'll maybe we'll coordinate a special uh u.s taskmaster tour with uh, blues brothers screenings mm-hmm. And we'll go around go around with Alex and Greg and watch Blues Brothers and do tasks with the audience.
1: No, we'll tell Alex that it's gonna be blues brothers, but we'll swap it with for
0: your eyes only. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be like, no, no. I want the Live and Let Die. Well, and no, that wasn't Live and Let Die. Which one, which one was he? I like? love it.
1: I think he said, Oh no, Live and Let Die. That's the one he said. It wasn't
0: was it Live and Let Die?
1: Yeah, because he was already forgotten uh folks if you haven't listened to our episode on the blues brothers uh you may want to go into our back catalog once this episode has been added
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm all lost anyway go cross the blues brothers off your overdue renda's list start watching taskmaster season series one go from there enjoy it just fall in love with it because you're gonna mike where can people find us though well when
1: we're not busy trying to get the band back together in order to watch those back catalog episodes of Taskmaster, you could find us on TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rental Show, on Twitter at Rentals Overdue, on Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you want to send us love letters, suggestions, recommendations, tasks, and uh, monologues about how you stood at the back of the cathedral, celibate, waiting for us to show up on your wedding day. You can email us at overdoerentals at gmail.com. But while you're on the internet, because there's tons of things there and you're going to want to listen to our back episodes, much like Taskmaster, you can find us wherever you ethically source your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, we're, we're there. Chances are we're there. And if we're not there, then let us know we want to be there. And while you're at it. One last thing. You should really rate, review, and subscribe to the show because we like having you here. We would like to know what you think. We like to know what you want to see. We just like you. And in order to keep the Overdue Rentals counter open, we need you. Matthew. Blah blah. Bye.